Hello, and welcome to the Eyes Are for podcast series. I'm your host, Alana Margulies Snyderman, and with me today is John Colescott, President and CIO of Closed End Fund Advisors, a Richmond, Virginia-based manager of managers. Today, John will share with us his outlook for investing in closed end funds, including the greatest opportunities and challenges, how the firm is integrating ESG, DEI, and more. Hi, John. Thank you so much for being with me today. It's great to be here. Absolutely. So to kick off the conversation, tell us a little about the firm and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so Closing Fund Advisors is a 33-year-old registered investment advisory firm. Our family bought it in distress back in the mid-90s. And my father has did a career in 50 years in closing funds. It really started in the bear market of the 70s when he and his best friend bought control of a broken IPO in that bear market. His uh, best friend had a third of the stock. Our friends and family, I wasn't born yet, had 10%. And that led to a wonderful 27-year career. He had been a journalist before he got into the financial markets. And so he brought out a newsletter after the 88, uh, 87 crash in 1988 called The Scott Letter. And then he wrote a book on closing funds with a finance professor back in 1990 and um, bought the firm in 96. And I got out of college at the College of William Mary in uh, 2001 and he needed some help, and I liked the concept of small business and working with families. So I joined him, you know, young, enthusiastic, a lot less gray hair, and um, I've learned a lot from there. We basically focus on highly customized separate accounts for individual investors, both taxable accounts as well as qualified, using our data business, which I launched 11 and a half years ago, covering every listed close-end fund, every interval fund, every listed BDC, non-listed BDC, you know, the entire closed-ended management universe. So everything that's not a regular ETF for open-end funds. And we do that as two business lines to offer data and information to our peers, our partners, service providers, boards, really anyone with uh, a need for highly granular and high-quality data. Great, John. So given your focus on the closed-end funds industry, love to hear a high-level outlook for the space. So right now, we're at an interesting time. We've been doing a quarterly research call, which is publicly available on cefadvisors.com for about 44 consecutive quarters. We're finding that the discount or the listed price of a closed-ended management company, whether it's a muni bond fund or a business development company, are historically very wide. Now, obviously, there's been some challenges with, with concepts like the cost of leverage and the rat grappling with economic concerns, so credit risk in the market, as well as duration concerns. You know, we've definitely seen some headlines recently where duration concerns were causing a lot of trouble for investors and what's going on. So what we really try to do is build an asset allocation model. You know, we don't have any pure equity or any pure credit portfolios for the most part. And we look to maximize what makes sense conceptually for the investor. We then look into the guts of the closing funds to find the factors, you know, whether it's a leverage piece or exposure piece or duration calculation and to bring through what the client is asking us to do. And then our software and our data business wraps up in a really tight way to show them visually how to get what they're looking for out of the portfolio. And with these listed funds, it's really hard not to ignore discount tailwinds because the future is always unknown. And nobody actually knows the future, but discounts tend to revert to mean. And so right now, with closing funds being relatively wide, there's a lot of opportunity uh, to narrow what's going, what's likely narrow in the future and give investors increased performance over an, you know, a, a less wide discount or other fund structures. John, given the environment and everything going on, what are some of the greatest opportunities you see in your space and why? So it's, it's 
that's such a large question. I wish we had an hour, but your audience probably appreciates we don't have an hour to deal this. I'll, I'll take a couple of slices. I mean, the growth of interval funds, which are generally illiquid credit and equity, and now there's so many that are available on RA platforms and wirehouse platforms where you can get 60, 70, 80% illiquid credit, illiquid equity. So true private exposure that's not really allowed by the SEC's regulations uh, for open-end funds and ETFs and really get that access is a beautiful opportunity. So we have clients that we overweight that to drop their volatility, give them access to really parts of the market they can't have. There are tender offer funds for credit investors and private BDCs where it feels and looks kind of like a hedge fund, but the fees are lower. Like, like Churchill, part of Nuveen, has a non-listed BDC, but the 75 basis points fee structure. And I'm not an expert on hedge funds. You might be, but that's not a regular investment for private credit exposure. On the other side, the 130-year-old listed closed fund market, the largest bucket are muni bond funds. And they've been grappling with duration risk and dividend cuts, like 100 dividend cuts in the last year, really shaking the shareholder base. And as you might know, these investors are mostly retail investors in the United States that own closed-end funds and listed BDCs, and they've really been rattled. So the discounts are regularly you know, 10 to 15% right now, and the yields have come down. But we'll think of it, it, leverage costs are probably here nearing the top. I don't know the future of the bond market, but you know we think that they'll be moving from more fixed rate leverage to variable. And then we expect to have some sort of event which makes people like bonds more than you know common stock equities. That traditionally will lead to two great factors, NAV performance upside and discount narrowing. If we just take a, a half second to go, you know, two years ago, Muni bond funds were yielding a five and a half, and they were trading above net asset value. And people thought they were the easiest, best things ever. They were, you know, let's all buy muni bonds for everyone. Now, after these dividend cuts, large discounts, the yields are down to four and a half. But the last time we had this pullback of this size, the future was very bright for the structure. We go to the other side of the market, the venture loan market with listed BDCs. They're down 25% premium to discount in the last two years, roughly as well. Their, their dividend coverage two years ago when they performed 200% from the COVID bottom was only 2% over policy for index. Now it's 20% over policy and the dividends are up 10 to 15% across the board. So dividend growth, again, variable loans matched with fixed leverage, a beautiful math story. And the market's still concerned about them. At the banking crisis, BDC's really proved their stable capital structure, whether they're listed or non-listed, are a great way to have capital go into the markets and not worry about a run on the banks, because these are not banks. These are funds with 50% leverage, not two, three, four hundred percent. So those are the most amazing places that we love using for our clients in the right tax and risk-appropriate way. And John, on the other hand, what are some of the greatest challenges you face in this space, and how do you overcome them? So- some of the challenges were, so I started a nonprofit, the Active Investment Company Alliance, almost four years ago to really bring together you know, users of closing funds like myself and my peers, fund sponsors, service providers like your firm could be involved to bring community for content. And we, we tackle concepts like really trying to educate that market price volatility needs to be a conversation for a financial advisor or you know, in the markets that it's not necessarily a risk factor. It should be no. You should not be buying listed securities 
and not realize that the discount can widen 10 or 15% in a chaotic market. We want to make sure people learn that and that as long as they are for sellers of these funds, they're beautiful investments because that stable capital base is very resilient in a tough market. On the other side, interval funds, which are a beautiful structure with a ton of growth, they've been hurting investors because they don't realize they can't sell them the next day. So we've been working with great firms like Morgan Stanley and other platforms to increase the requirements for advisors to document the education to clients. So they understand the why of this fund. It's, it's a better, more liquid hedge fund than a horribly illiquid ETF. And I feel if you, if you can do that, you can make sure people are using the right wrapper for the right part of the portfolio. You can take these negative things and turn the positives. And the last thing is, you know, fees are always an issue. And again, we are, we, at our firm, we don't love high fees, but it's the third or fourth thing we focus on. We care much more about a dividend coverage, quality of manager, tapping the right exposure for our clients. Fees are part of our calculation. But one of the biggest differences I think people make mistakes on is they look at the regular expense ratio, whether it's a muni bond fund or a BDC. We do gross non-leverage expense ratios. And there, you know, over two-thirds of the top 20 closed fund firms, it's under 1% for active management. So I could keep going. You probably don't want me to because it's not enough to cover. But those are some of the big things we really are trying to educate to avoid the chaos of. And just making sure you're using the right wrapper, the fund sponsor, so that bringing the right product to market for the financial advisors and the clients that they serve. John, to shift gears a little bit in the funds industry, ESG, DEI are top of mind overall. Love to hear how your firm is addressing these topics. It is. So if you really think what we are at a basic level, you know, we are manager analyzers, we're data collectors, we're trend followers. My dad's DNA is a journalist. My undergrad is a BS in psychology. Yes, I have a full uh, business school and, and, and CFA charter holder as a co-PM at the firm, but we really love the story and bring things together. We've definitely, we meet with board members regularly of listed closing funds, of BDCs, and we love the growth in the diversity we've seen. And we've seen some good lead board members really offer a uh, more diversified voice than we've seen. The one area I wish there was a better voice is, so many BDCs and closing funds, they tend to hire board members that are good at the underlying sector. So think pipelines or growth stocks or venture debt. And they don't seem to really bring on many board members that are good at the structure, which goes into defending activism or pushing back on fair market value marks or addressing a fair fee level because you know they're not really in that environment. We also know there's a few growing funds for on the credit side and equity side that have more of an ESG flavor. We really think ESG is not one thing from our research and our understanding, but it's a, it's a layer of additional analysis. Uh, we don't use it to say no to anything, but we definitely see that it tends to lead to a better environment and a better workplace for the employees of these publicly traded companies, which then leads to better investor success. Um, but again, it's, it's a tough story because we also love the pipelines, um, which provide a lot of tax advantage income for our clients. And there's some people who would throw those out um, every time. And, and we think they're, they're relatively cheap. And there's some great managers in that sector that we really are happy to own for our clients. So it's a tough call, but we do our best. John, we've covered a lot of ground today and wanted to see if you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with us. Well, I'm, I'm always a bit of a, a salesman in my heart. We do have our own weekly podcast. Again, that's partially how we met after the conference. And we love people that want to deeper to close in funds, BDC general funds, 
Check out The Navigator. It's the lead segment on Chuck Jaffe's Friday Money Life show and a standalone podcast anywhere you find great podcasts. We transcribe them and they drop every Friday. We also, as I said, we cover the sector deeply in a, in a publicly available slide deck. And we hold, um, we have an advisor survey out right now, which may be useful for those industry to follow on ESCAlliance.org. And we have an upcoming conference in the, in the fall. I hope you can be uh, involved in it because you're a great member of the ecosystem. And we always love having great partners to spread the word on these niche little investments that are gaining traction and hopefully solving great problems for investors and the advisors they work with. John, I want to thank you so much for sharing your perspective with us. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I'm glad to be part of your podcast series. And thank you for listening to the iSamper podcast series. Visit iSamper.com for more information on this and a host of other topics. And join us for our next iSamper podcast when we get down to business.